Hello and welcome to Animal Noises, a podcast about furry culture. My name is Ringer, and Path isn't here, and that's because this is just a quick introduction before we get into the panel that we recorded along with our friend Renegade Root at Texas Furry Fiesta 2018. The panel was about popularity in the fandom, which is always an interesting topic. Unfortunately, the audio quality wasn't nearly as good as the quality of the panel itself, so if you try to listen and find that it's just not that fun to listen to, I apologize in advance. Uh, we will be back with actual episodes sometime eventually, uh, but until then, enjoy this, and then there will be a, uh, another live episode uh, shortly to follow, uh, and then that's all I know right now because I'm extremely tired. So thank you and enjoy. particular panel is called, just to make sure you're in the right one, this is called Popularity is Weird in a Microcosm. Uh, it's a fairly ambitious and vague topic because I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, I'd like this to be driven by you guys mostly. I have some topics and I have some ideas and I think uh, our panelists have some ideas and topics, but if you are interested in a particular thing, bring it up and we'll go that direction too. I've kept it vague for a reason. Uh, so I wanted to say what the, what I meant by popularity is weird in a microcosm. Uh, when we say that someone is popular, you're usually saying you're popular as a furry, right? Because that's usually who we're talking to. Um, that's a very small subset of the population. Uh, I want to say, if you think about like uh, a furry uh, celebrity, so to speak, right? If you talk about them on, say, YouTube. Let's talk about Majira, right? Probably one of the most prominent furries on YouTube. He's been out there for a very long time. He's here and he's getting mobbed by everybody. Um, he's actually got a line in a queue and everything. It's very strange. Uh, but so Majira has, I want to say, how many subscribers? I, I cannot remember. It's up there. It's very up there. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But if you talk about like your, your, your real jerks, like your Daniel Logans and whatnot and, and YouTube, uh, who are also huge celebrities and were highly popular, uh, it's about 200 times higher. So I want to say about one out of every 200 people are probably furries, based on that. We have no good metrics on how many people are furries in the world. I'm always looking desperately for any idea of how many there are. But um, So our numbers are small. Like If we have five digits of followers on Twitter, that's a significantly small percentage of the population that has that. But you know, if we talk about real celebrities on Twitter, you're talking about one million easily, 32 million. Uh, if you're the president, for some reason, people follow him. Uh, <laughs> he's talking uh, you know, a much higher number. So we're talking about our microcosm. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It's not like nobody cares what you're saying because you have so few people that's not a celebrity. Uh, we care because it's our world. And these people, whether for better or worse, will oftentimes drive our conversations of what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, if they say something especially dumb, but it's really good material to just drama over, that's our conversation for two or three days, whether we like it or not. Even if half that conversation is, why are we still talking about this damn thing? You know, so there's, there's a lot going on there. Uh, here's what this panel isn't. I can't tell you how to be popular. I know there, I can recognize some common threads and common patterns, but it's such a weird individual subjective thing that it's, it's so individualized how that, that sort of phenomenon happens. I just think it's interesting and weird. Um, our panelists uh, have introduced ourselves. This is Ringer. Ringer uh, does a podcast with me. He does. We do. We yeah. do a furry uh, animal noises podcast, and we both have a lot of interesting insights. Talk, talk about it. Yeah. Ringer. We've, yeah. Uh, <laughs> talk. 
Do you want? Fire. Okay. <laughs> this is basically what the podcast is like before we edit it. Uh, yes, hi, my name is Ringer. You may also know me as Mama Matches on Twitter. So we do the podcast together. I do photography stuff. I do art stuff and lots of things. Uh, I am debatably qualified to be here in that I do have opinions. So <laughs> we can do this. Is there uh, anyone here without opinions? Avery, hey, per he's just a happy, cute wolf. Uh, <laughs> that's what he wants you to think. That's what we want you to think, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ren, yeah? Yeah, so I'm a renegade kangaroo. I know probably this is the first time a lot of you guys even see who I am. And what? Outside of, yeah, I exist <laughs> outside of the social media, internet, you know, You're not a arena. Kangaroo. <laughs> you have a face. I am not, but I do have a face. I do have a fursuit, though. I'm not actually kangaroo. But I do have a I do have a first who had um, thankfully, but um, yeah I'm the social media lead here for TFF. I have been for two years. So um, if anything happens on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, let us know. He can handle it. Yeah, right I'll, away. I'll handle it. <laughs> He'll be leaving if something bad happens. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, some of you guys have probably seen me around Twitter um, as well too. You know that's kind of my main thing was Twitter. That's how I um, kind of started out. Um, but yeah, Renegade Kangaroo here, and thank you guys so much for coming out and uh, seeing what we have. Yay! Look <laughs> at that. He's not nearly as cute without his icon, right? That's how it works. That's true. Yeah, that's tomorrow's. <laughs> that's tomorrow's panel. It is. How icons make you cuter. Yeah. Oh, you, you disagree. Actually, yes. you have to. That's your job. <laughs> that's They're all cute, but that, that one is especially cute. Yeah. <laughs> So I think we're all familiar with microcosms in general. Your first one, I mean, we went to, most of us went to high school, some of them were homeschooled, but I mean, with, how many people went to a public high school, right? Most Americans go through that sort of situation. That is your first hardcore introduction to a real honest to God microcosm of sociology. That is so weird because you build it up and it gets complicated and it's got all these relationships and then after four years, it's done and it doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, and that's sort of like furry. Renegade is a teacher, right, in real life. Yes, I am. I'm a <laughs> high school special education teacher. So, um, and it's funny because, you know, I have a certain way of acting online and stuff, too. I, you guys, whoever does follow me, I'm sorry. I apologize how much I tweet during the day. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so that is just a quarter of what goes on in my mind, you know, <laughs> at all. So, but, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, at, uh, at my day job, I'm a high school special education teacher. I teach in El Paso, Texas, right next to the border of Mexico. So I can literally see it from my classroom. I can see the uh, Mexico over there and stuff, too. So, yeah, I mean, despite what I have on Twitter and everything, too, you know, I still have, you know, a nine-to-five job, go home, feed my dog, Riley. I'm sure you guys have seen I, I'm always tweeting Riley. He's, uh, he's my little buddy out there, uh, my Labrador uh, and everything. But, um yeah, I mean, that's um, outside of the whole, you know, uh, image that I place on Twitter. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, just a high school teacher in El Paso, Texas. That's <laughs> in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. And I think also you know, what's weird about the little microcosm tactic is, or, or aspect of it, I guess, is uh, you have, like I said, you have Majira downstairs, and you also had at the same time, Telephone. So Telephone has her own like army of people who just adore her. They're usually 15 years old. They're angel dragons, right? That's how all it happens. They're like, they just love her to death. Um, and they may not know who Majira is, but her, the Majira people may not know who Telephone is, right? It depends on, are you from YouTube or are you from Twitter? There's so many segments of furry that exist. 
uh, and I think one reason YouTube's so popular right now is there's a lot of people who can't access conventions or furry culture in general except to sit at home and watch it on the screen. And that's a fantastic way to interact with you know fursuits and furry when you can't actually go see it. So that's like a service that provides. So just, everyone has their own particular routes to it. Um, and I think what's weird about furry, I guess, I mean, there's all you hear people always saying like, hey, furry was so great 15 years ago, it's gone to garbage. Uh, if you were there 15 years ago, it was pretty awful then too. Uh, except it's like Twitter, except you are stuck with your region. You can't go past your region. That's who's around you. That's go go screw yourself otherwise, right? Uh, now you kind of curate nationally who you want to talk to and listen to and be influenced by. Uh, so that's that's sort of a strange thing. But the other side effect of social media is now we're all self-publishing. We're all self-blogging. We're all talking about ourselves all the time. Which means if I want to know somebody and I'm curious about them, I don't talk to them first. I don't believe you. I'm gonna go look at your feed and look at over like three months. Like, oh, you turn crazy every few weeks. That's good to know, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool, which is weird because you could only do that with celebrities, but now you can do it with your friend down, down the street. Uh, so that's a weird thing. But another side effect is we've made so many minor celebrities in so many corners of the world now that there's a lot of people who are influencing, again, for better or for worse. People aren't picked for qualification. You're picked because you make content and it's funny and someone likes it and now that spreads. Um, so there's definitely responsibility that goes along with, with that sort of thing. So I think if you have, okay, so let's say, here's, here's the biggest thing that popularity causes, uh, and it's usually not even have to do with the person themselves. It's if you have enough bandwidth, you get what you say in front of more faces than anybody else, right? So whenever there's a firestorm on Twitter, I am just fascinated by it. I don't care what they're talking about. I wanna know where it came from of how it started, who started this fire. And it's usually, there was this debate a while ago about whether or not we should be popping our fursuit heads. Remember that? That came out uh, for just, it was, it was Snowball Collie who tweeted about uh, a Nordic fur con, which has several hundred people at it, but we all talked about it for, for a day or two because he said we shouldn't be talking about ruining the magic. Or you know he was he was in favor of it like don't don't pop your head. And other people were like I pop my head all the time. You don't tell me what to do. And they're like well I'll probably get what to do. And I got back and forth. <laughs> but it's because it's because one guy one guy did that. Uh, Eurofrance just changed their policy on legal names and people are so pissed off. You had to put your legal name on a badge. That's been happening for 15 years. Wait I just found out about it this year. Now it's a thing because somebody with a big account said that's stupid. We shouldn't have to do that. They might not even go to the con. Um, so there's there's so much influence coming at us from so many directions, and you're so aware of this as a convention organizer. It's weird. It's weird how much power. And you think about like when you tweet, do you think about what people are going to read? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing of it is, uh, when, when I first started this account, um, you know, I'll just go a little bit on why I think some of you guys might know if you followed me for a while. You know, um, I've been in this fandom since '99. Uh, but I didn't really start, I mean, I did IRC chats, I don't know if you guys are you know, kind of older like me, uh, AnthroChat, Fernet, you know, all Come the IRC on. stuff back in the day. I was there, um, but you know, I really dived in. Um, at the time, my brother was undergoing uh, chemotherapy at MD Anderson uh, Medical Center, and I needed a way to kind of escape. I mean, look, thank God, you know, he's, he's fine now, he's actually in medical school, but during that time, you know, I was seeing my brother who was 17, um, bald, hair falling out, um, face puffed out, you know, it was, it was horrible. It was a horrible thing to see. And I had to be there with him because I was an emergency, um, you know, bone marrow transplant. So I needed to be on call when I was there. And I needed a way to escape. I needed a way to 
you know, I needed a way to mentally be able to get away from that stuff. And the way I found it was I would tweet out something. I started, you know, my Renegade Brew account. I would tweet out something and have a little bit of a furry spin to it, you know, and I did. And, and the reason it all comes from that is my pure love for this fandom. And it's been a huge part of my life early on. And, you know, the community here has been so welcoming and, you know, very fun to interact with. And I really took that and I ran with it. And, you know, at the past I could, you know, if I find something funny on, you know, Google, I can tweet it out. So nowadays, you know, you gotta really, you know, you, as your audience grows, so does the impact of what you're saying on there. And, uh, you know, things can be taken the wrong way. Things can, you know, have that. And you started seeing that because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not a professional, you know, I'm not an actor. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, somebody who's constantly in front of people and stuff. I'm just a teacher in El Paso, Texas. And we don't, you know, sometimes some people have a better way of handling it than others. And I think Path, I think me and him have had a couple of conversations where, um, and I do, I try to put my best face forward and stuff, but um, there was times where I'm telling Path, like, you know what, uh, I, I feel like it's not me anymore, you know, sometimes. Mm -hmm. I felt like my, my image of Renegade Group, because it's being viewed and dissected from everybody in every single light, that I kind of lost my character a little bit. And that's something that I started feeling. And that's one thing that you'll notice, or you start to notice with some of that stuff, is you move away from becoming, your persona's very, very close to you. That is you. That is an alternate version of you, what you idealize, what you want to be, your hopes, your dreams. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. But you start to start, and I, you know, I'm sure Majira has felt it, I'm sure a lot of you people have, you become a brand. Uh, literally, you're, it's expected of you to do certain things. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still a person that has problems, you know, I think no. you guys have seen, I know, <laughs> no. it's hard to believe, right? <laughs> but I do, you know, you, the human side of you comes out a little bit sometimes, and um, people don't like that if they're expecting content from, content from you constantly. Um, when you see that human side of you come out, some people don't like it. I've had people send me a lot of, um, you know, ugly things sometimes when they do that. I think. Um, you know, some people also treat you because you're a brand that you don't have, that you don't read everything. And believe me, I do. Even though I keep bombarded, I, I do. I read everything because I just love interacting with you guys. But you get some people just out of left field to say horrible, really hurtful things, and you're kind of like thinking, what did I, what did I do? <laughs> you know, what, 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 what's up with that? But then it's hard not to take it personally. But at the same time, though, you, it's something that I think I've struggled to kind of deal with is um, how to deal with that. You know, and that's something I've talked to Path quite a bit sometimes, you know, I just say, what, what do I do? I mean, I, it hurts to read some of these things sometimes, and you do, people, every single thing you do is being analyzed by everybody, at all times, everything. So it no longer becomes a, oh, hey, look what I ate today, you know, take a picture, nobody's gonna care, <laughs> you're gonna start losing followers, we're not gonna do it. And it's fun to do, but, you know, that's one thing that people do fall into, is you become a brand sometimes, and I, I think people have felt like that at some point. And uh, did you want to turn around and see if any of you guys have felt like that before? Uh, I think be before then, I wanted to ask, because that's your perspective and my perspective, because we both do basically just gibberish on yeah, Twitter. That's like our thing to yeah. do, is gibberish on Twitter. <laughs> sure. uh, Very good at it. We're, we're good at gibberish, right? And we make a lot of it. He's way more productive than I am. I'm out of ideas completely. Uh, a ringer is a creator, and that's a whole different bag of worms. When you're putting out something you love, and you put out artwork, and you put out music, and now you're examining it with the public, I mean, what's that like? What do you need to freak out differently than we do? I think... Uh, it, it follows a lot of the same parallels, uh, depending on how focused you are on just distributing your product versus like 
being a person. But uh, what Renegade said is absolutely true. You become a brand on Twitter regardless of whether you want to or not because you're only presenting a certain side of yourself. No one is, no one is going on Twitter. Almost no one is going on Twitter and saying 100% of the things that cross their mind. It's just not a thing. You're, you're presenting the things that you think define you better as a person, whether they're stupid, like little uh, inconsequential thoughts, or it's a meme you thought was funny, or a picture that you really liked. Regardless of what it is, you're sharing it because it means something to you. Um, and that, over time, creates this version of yourself that people know, and if they've never met you in real life, that's the only part of you they know. Uh, and like you said, uh, it can get to a point where you feel like you're just not being true to yourself anymore. And when you shift gears like that, which you're totally entitled to do, because this is your personal Twitter account, you're using it because it's something that, that you know, you're doing for yourself more than anything. But when you shift gears, it definitely uh, can mess with people sometimes. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's regardless of what kind of content you're putting out there. Um, but I also think it's, it's important um, to, to have that sort of honesty mixed in with the things that you're creating because I think it helps people see that you're not just this you know, flawless creation machine uh, and it, it's sort of reassuring in, in the same way that some people may find it off-putting. Yeah, for sure. And, and it doesn't matter how many followers you have. Like, I think that's true for everybody. Yeah. And on Twitter, you've developed the people who follow you. Some of them you know, some of you, a lot of you don't, because people don't know 350 people. Uh, and they all react funny to things you say and do, right? So it's, uh, yeah, so turn that over. I mean, uh, has anyone experienced something weird with this sort of thing that you wanted some insight on or to talk about? Like, Vero, of course. Hello. <laughs> so uh, my background, I, uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of Feral Attraction, which is a fairly popular uh, relationship advice and sex advice podcast. One thing that we deal with pretty often, being like an educational, like I almost want to say like moral authority in the fandom in some sense, because people look to us for ethics and morals, like what, what's the right thing to do in this situation, is when something happens in the fandom, people often want to know what we think immediately, and like life happens, right? So like maybe I'm like in the middle of a project, or like I'm in the middle of life happening, and some, something happens on Twitter, yeah. and people right away want to know like, well, what, what do Vero and Metrico, my, my co-hosts, think about this? And, you know, why isn't there a blog post about this. Yeah, why tell us how to feel. Why haven't you talked about this on your podcast? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, because I was busy living my life and I don't spend all my time on Twitter. As much as you think I do, I actually have things that I do in real life. So what is your take on like, you know, stepping outside of the stream? Do you feel kind of a fear of missing out where you're not constantly checking Twitter, you're not up on what's the latest meme, what's the latest drama in the fandom? You know, I haven't commented on this yet. Am I, yet, am I missing out because I haven't commented on this drama? For, for us, that happens pretty often. People are coming to us and saying, why haven't you talked about this yet? And it's kind of almost like shaming us for not being on top of things. And it's like, well, we're a weekly podcast. We're a weekly advice column. Like, we don't have, we can't be that timely necessarily yeah. all the time. And nobody cares tomorrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's today's topic, and everyone wants to talk about yeah, it. And nobody about cares podcast, tomorrow. No one gives a fuck. Right, it's well, there, it's true. No one gives, no one gives uh, two bleeps about it, right? That's yeah. that's kind of how it works, and that's why we have a social media team at Furry Fiesta. Because if we don't jump on something and respond to it, like right right away, uh, and Verbi knows this. Verbi back there did our social media for a year. 
So when he knows, whenever something happens in the fandom, people come ask Furry Fiesta, what's your stance on this thing you don't even do? Yeah. And we're like, we throw a damn party every year. We don't give a damn. And then, you know, and, and that's kind of how it goes. And we have to respond within 48 hours or else uh, no one cares. And, you know, that you take whatever hit or whatever from that. Um, so, yeah, I... I I don't know. I step out of my box a lot to talk about stupid things. I, I'm not sure people. I, I think the big thing I have to be careful with is politics. Uh, when you hit politics, there's such a level of burnout and checkout right now that it's uh, it's difficult to keep anyone listening. And I think that's uh, a lot of what Ringer was saying was that you have. And we run a social media panel separate to this, and we definitely talk about this in there. Like you build a following base based on who you are. Who you are is what people talk to you for and follow you for. Like. When you, when you think about yourself and your Twitter feeds and your own personal like popularity as a validation of who you are, that is only true up to your friends. And once you pass that up, it's just content. People just like your content. They already have friends. Uh, so when you have produced that, that audience based on funny things about how species are silly with each other, uh, dirty, dirty fox jokes pretty much 24-7, which I didn't know there was a big market for, but he has more followers than I do. <laughs> I love analyzing stereotypes with that, too. It's 24-7. 24-7. I asked him one time, do you schedule the 100 tweets? And he said, no, I just put That's them That's a question that somebody actually asked me when they saw me in the hall. They said, do you schedule your tweets? Because you seem to do it all. I don't. <laughs> Sad but true, I don't. No, I'm, I'm literally, you know, I, I just will do that. And you know what, it, it's, it's a stress relief kind of thing for me, too. But, yeah. yeah. But if you start talking about Donald Trump and his awful policies or any other, like, if you get real deep into water quality issues in a city, mm -hmm. yeah. they're just be like, I don't follow you for that. I yeah. thought foxes yeah. were funny. Right? <laughs> and that's, and that's kind of what happens. Dirty foxes, right? Right, dirty foxes. And so they will just turn their backs because that's what they want to listen to. So yeah. it's hard. It's hard yeah. to kind of step out of your box. But you are pressured to respond usually within 48 hours. I like to, I take time to think about it normally because I've, I've been in a position in convention running where I've seen the complexities on both sides in the gray area. It's so complicated. So it usually takes me like 48 hours to have any kind of feedback. So either it's taken really well and people like it, or people are like, you're still talking about this. Shut up. <laughs> like I never talked about it. We wanted a hot take. Well, hot takes. Oh, God, I hate hot takes. They make me so mad. They make me so mad. They just disregard everything. Uh, as to like what's hot today, like we have a designated like college student in one of our chat rooms, and whenever we don't understand a meme or what's going on, <laughs> we run it by them, and they'll they'll explain to us what a meme means because it changes every six to eight hours, and we need we need young people who don't have jobs to explain to us what the hell is going on anymore. And that's such that's their role. You know what's funny too, because um, even at the school I work at, um, even I'm out of the loop a lot of the times, despite what I put out. Even on the school, they're trying to be hip with the kids, so they have this uh, electronic oh, wow. board in the office. Hips with the kids, by the way. Literally says, you like that? The kids. Well, according to the, the panel that was going on with the great muscles, I think I hit that at 30 already, so yeah. I'm a great muscle now officially, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So silly. But, but, um, but anyway, it says May, literally, and I cringe at it because I'm like, May, May Mondays. Oh, and they'll put memes, old, tired memes about why it's cool to go to school. <laughs> the kids will roll their eyes, and uh, I remember one time one of my students asked me if I put it on there. <laughs> I was looking at it and just kind of shaking my head. Did you put that on there, Mister? No, I swear I didn't do that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, that's pretty neat that you have that. I mean, yeah, you got you got to have a designated teenager. Yeah. 
<laughs> you get the designated teenager yeah. to run the memes through, and they tell you what's going on with the Tide Pods, so yeah, why, why that's not funny anymore. They'd know if it was you because there'd be a kangaroo meme on it. That's true. I do have kangaroos all over my desk. Do you really? I have it all over my desk, yeah. And this guy was just saying if you look at Imager every day, and that's what he does. He looks at Imager, Tumblr, and you got to figure out where it came from. Never yeah, Facebook. I just go to Tumblr when Never I want to feel angry about mm -hmm. something. If it's a little cold in my house up in Ohio, <laughs> and then, you know I want to save some money on heat, I just read Tumblr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You want to get it? Yeah, that's all. If, if it is on Facebook, that means don't. If it's on Facebook, it means it's old news yeah. by then. Like okay. Grandma's gotten it already. Right. Yeah. Four chan, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook. Right. I think it's that was well. It's all over the place now. It's crazy. You even got Reddit thrown in. Does anyone else have insights or questions you want to direct? With otherwise, yeah. I have a question about so so all you guys who are creating things in Ringer. So yes, thank you. I know him, so I'm just teasing. Um, so what is worse for you when you uh, put something out there that you've worked on and you get like very little response, or you get a negative response? What 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 oh, brings you down in a different direction? <laughs> well, Let, I like this question first, but then I want to ask it a separate related question. Okay. Do you want to go ahead? So the question was, uh, do you, do you like it more when something you what was it? Was it so what, what, what's worse to you if you get no response when you put something out, okay, or no you response, get a negative response, or a negative response? So if I put something out and I, it depends. Okay, so two things. I look at who had the negative response. That's very important. If it's negative yeah. response person, I'm fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's what they do. That means they enjoyed the content and now feel angry the way they're supposed to. Right? That's good. I brought anger into their hearts and that's what they were looking for that day. They just want that. <laughs> it's, it's so true. There are people who love that stuff and I don't yeah. care. I, I, I usually use a star like a read receipt oftentimes because I don't usually have a response every time. Sometimes I do. Uh, and you just don't start it sometimes. Like, I don't I think you're kind of crazy. Um, but if it's from a really reasonable source, I will look at my tweet very quickly. Did I have a typo? Did I put a word wrong? Did I, did I say this the wrong way? Um, I did a thing recently for about 10 minutes. I put an individual's phone number on Twitter because I'm stupid. And I, I was, I was saving someone's phone number to a text message because I wanted to like, I wanted to click it and then call the person, and you can't do it unless it's a text message. Uh, and it turns out I just used Twitter SMS to do it. I didn't know the history of Twitter where that tweets. Uh, so the guy got like, you know, five or six phone calls. It was a very low volume time. And I deleted it when someone when someone messaged me. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> and I had, you know, you get shaky hands and clammy hands. And for me, it's especially scary because I I can't I can't divorce myself from furry fiesta. So I can take down a giant good running ship by just being a big jerk. Uh, it'll get associated with the brand, and that would be a whole different thing. Uh, so I'm always terrified of that. It depends on where it comes from. I will always take no response. Like if I post something about baseball, because I like baseball, no one gives a damn. Uh, if, but, but if I get a negative response from a reasonable source, I will just freak the hell out and look at it because I think, did I mean to do that? Um, there's no time I think, am I going to say something super controversial that people will hate and be okay with it? Like Twitter's just not the place for that. I, I'll pick friends for that, but I don't, I, I don't generally, I'm so paranoid about things like that. So I would take, I would say the negative response is the worst for me. It's weird because I can't think of a time where I've gotten a memorable like negative response. Like I'll I'll tweet stupid jokes and people will be like, oh no, but that's not like negative. That's like yeah. 
you made them groan, which was the whole point in the first place. So for me, that's positive. Uh, so I definitely think like a lack of response is frustrating, especially if it's something that you put a bunch of time into or that means a lot to you. Yeah, and uh, I'm guilty of that too. I know you guys see my horrible groan-worthy jokes. And what was what was funny one time? Um, I am very self-aware of it. I do it on purpose. Believe it or not, I'm not all. Um, I had somebody one time write me a detailed uh, DM about why my jokes are so horrible once <laughs> I analyzed it like it was a college essay almost. Like, for one, the way you do yeah. Did you grade it? <laughs> I should have graded it. It was a pretty well written one. So they wanted to help you out? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what was funny is because some people don't know that I'm, I do it on purpose, I'm being funny about it. But um, it depends on who it is. Like you said, you have some people that just like that, you know, and you, you look through, you can just do a simple scan of their timeline and say, you know, I'm not going to take it personally, you know, it's, uh, but then, um, yeah, but then you'll have somebody maybe that just will, for some reason, they don't even follow you, but for some reason they just get mad at you for no reason, or just strike at that tweet, <laughs> and it's like, wow, what, what happened, you know? And I don't know if you do this, but the first thing I do if I get a, a, a feedback piece that's really concerning to me is I go read their timeline. Yeah. And if it looks like they're just crazy people, I just disregard it at that point. But if they're really reasonable people and they're telling me something, um, I just, maybe they're right. You know? That's what I do. Yeah, so if yeah. I get that a left field too first, it's like, whoa, what, what happened? Then I have to look and say, okay, let me reread what I wrote. You know, let me let me check and make sure and stuff and all that. And um, But yeah, you can definitely tell. And um, it's, it's, it's just really interesting how um, Everything is analyzed, like we were talking about, like in a in a microscope as well. Um, everything you say and do, and um, yeah, it's just funny how you get some sort of response out of left field, uh, especially no responses. Like I try to respond to a lot of people as much as I try my best to do it, just because I have fun. I, at the heart of all of this, I have fun interacting with the fandom. That's why I do it. Um, I do it just because I love this fandom tremendously. So interaction to me is not a chore. It's it's what I love to do. I love to talk back to you guys. I love to make tweets, that's why I make lame jokes, so you guys can have interaction with me, because I love talking to you guys and seeing you know, um, your feedback and everything. But then, uh, like you said, one of the things I learned really really quickly as somebody who puts stuff out there is, um, you know, not everybody's gonna like your sense of humor sometimes. They don't, and that's understandable. I mean, I even flat out say, I understand if you do not like to see my stuff retweeted, because I know it can get annoying because it's you know not your type of humor and stuff like that, but it's important to if you ever do reach that place to um, just understand where they're coming from, they're maybe they might have, even have a bad day. I mean, it's kind of like if you're in a bad mood at work and somebody cuts you off on the road, you're going to take your frustrations out. Even though they're probably not going to do it publicly, but you're going to let it out on that person. Just So some people need an outlet, and sometimes you might have to be the punching bag, too, sometimes. And um, that's just the reality of it. Um, and that just comes with you know everything that goes there. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Uh, I have an ex, and I know like shit gets retweeted to them. I'm like, oh, you have to read that. Like, I know they're blocked and they're muted, and it's for their health, and I encourage it. Yeah. But it gets over there. I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't stop that. Uh, so there's a lot of assumptions that go along with popularity too. Like, okay, this one's sort of, I was listening to a, a thing that's like a behind the music thing uh, on Spotify for Alanis Morissette. So Alanis Morissette, if you're not familiar, because you're 20. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, she had a single come out in the 90s and it did super well. Then another single came out and did super well. And then eventually her whole album came out one by one and it all like hit number one. And she never had that same success again, but she was incredibly popular for a while. 
And she said, I assumed that when you became popular, uh, you just had a bunch of friends that you were in like the in club, you'd hang out with Cher and like, no, nobody talks to you. <laughs> like you're just kind of going through the motions, you're doing your shows, you have your fans, they like your music, but uh, you don't make really intense friends or connections. So there's a lot of very popular people who are lonely, like who don't have a lot of close friends, especially if you get popular first. Now you're like, I don't trust anybody. Like, why are you talking to me? Uh, you're talking to me because you want a kangaroo to talk to, right? Or something like that, right? I'm not actually a kangaroo, and my paws are great, I guess, but I don't want to talk about that, right? You know? <laughs> the paws, right? Uh, the murder paws. Murder paws. Murder paws. That's only when Renegade doesn't respond to their tweets in 24 hours. Yeah, that was another weird thing that happened recently, too. So they um, said, I'm a school teacher, so I can't, you know... Uh, when I tweet, it's usually in between, you know, the class periods or uh, the kids are working doing a test, and I'm just, you know, <laughs> trying to. So I had somebody one time um, send me a DM like, "Hey, what's up?" And that was when I had my, my DMs open and stuff, and I, I didn't mind doing that for a while, but um, so I didn't respond right away because I saw it. I think they saw that I read it, but I was I probably just read it and I had to go do something because I'm, I'm doing a million things. So because I didn't respond in two hours, they flooded my DM box full of pictures of uh, kangaroos with their co with their throats oh. completely slit. So weird. What? Really weird. <laughs> yeah. And that was not fun to see when I saw that. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Once you have enough followers, you're gonna pick up mentally unstable people, and you're just a target for that instability. And there's nothing for it. Yeah. It just happens. On the flip side of that, it also ends up going to your friends because I've gotten a couple weird DMs because I'm his girlfriend. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. people have crushes on them. They're probably mad at you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's what happened. One of them was just like he couldn't separate the fact that like like he didn't seem to understand that some were characters and others were like there's a person there's behind a person. that. Like he thought that because someone drew gay porn, they were gay. End of discussion. And actually started arguing with an artist about it. <laughs> oh no! He was one of those people. Yeah, that that happened. It was. A very interesting set of DMs, and then I blocked him, and then he hunted down. Of course, yeah, yeah he hunted down, down another way to contact him. That's crazy. Red like, gets oh, all your girlfriend's kinds of crazy. mad at me because <laughs> something or other. I'm like, Fix I blocked it. him because you told me to. <laughs> sure. I have a question, just kind of related to that, actually. So uh, I just brought up the kind of the alt furry thing. Yeah. And uh, so I made a mistake. I was uh, interviewed by Playboy magazine about my podcast. And randomly, Deborah So, who was interviewing us for Playboy, asked us about alt furry and like what's the deal with alt furry and like Nazi furs and what's like what's going on there. And of course, we gave a pretty like well reasoned response and explained like what the deal was and all that. But the alt furries in general seemed to have felt that we were, even though we were purely fairly anodyne about what we actually said about them, they were really like the fact that we didn't talk about them at all and weren't like you know positive, I guess, was a problem. So. Like, I get daily death threats now. Ever since that article came out, I get daily nooses, like, all that kind of stuff from the all-furries, because they think that, like, I attack them in Playboy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm just, like, it's kind of a two-part question, I guess, but, like, what do you think the correct response to, I guess, like, the intolerant wing of the fandom is? And the second part of that is, do you allow people like that who you vehemently disagree with or who you know are toxic to the community, do you allow those people to be your fans? Do you allow them to follow you? Do you allow them to interact with you? What is the right way to handle alt furs or Nazi furs? Do you are you inclusive or are you exclusive? Like people be vehemently disagree. I have so many feelings community. about that. Yeah, uh, I think we all the the first feeling I have, and I think. I think a lot of us have shared this actually, is all furry is sort of a thing that happened uh, loudly in the last year. Yeah. 
Like it really has. So most of us have thousands and thousands of people that we talk to before then in our lives, right? And you didn't realize that a hundred of them were all furry, right? So you have this like pocket of people who've been following you for a long time who, ding, they're weird. <laughs> who knew, who knew? Uh, so that's just sort of happened recently. Um, so there's this other phenomenon where when you have a lot of influence, and this is for all influence makers, and they can't help it. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a really weird analogy here because that's my favorite thing to do. So there's um, this little I don't know if it's real or not. There's, it was in Resident Evil, and I believe because I read it somewhere else too on the internet. Uh, there's like a little parasite, and this parasite will infect an ant, right? The ant crawls to the top of a piece of grass and just presents itself to birds. It can think of nothing else. It just does it. It can't help it. And the little ant stands on the top, and a bird eats it because it's the easiest prey in the world. The parasite wanted the bird. They don't give a damn about the ant. They want the bird. The bird picks it up, flies it far away, and like now it gets to travel and spread. That's how it spreads. That's what all furry is to me. It is a very small piece of nothing that attaches to a little ant that can't help it, that can present to a bird. And that bird that picks it up is any poppy fur who's so mad about the idea that's going on that somebody with five followers gets blasted. And now we're all talking about a dumb idea that somebody had that had five followers. And now we're all talking about it like a million people have the same opinion. And that's a lot of what we have with all furry. Uh, and we've been kind of figuring out how to deal with that as, as I think a society of furry. Like how do we respond to it? What do we do? Um, I generally stay fairly neutral with it because it hasn't come up, but I mean, that's on Twitter. Like in reality, we're dealing with it at a convention level. So we see it here. Um, I know they watch what we do and they watch our opinions on it because it's in their Discord chats. Like what my opinion is and what Sable's opinion is. They have like a discussion about these things. Um, and we know that because there's a million people in the all furry discord who aren't actually all furry they just read it and take screenshots all day uh so that's so weird it's such a complicated question i generally stay neutral because i don't want my influence used to push opinions that i just think are so minimal already um and another example that's not controversial is the con remember there was that weird like three days where everyone's like everyone over 30 shouldn't be a furry <laughs> do you remember that you know yeah it was a weird weird discussion and i was trying to figure out where the hell it came from and it came from this angry it was just like a teenager that had like 14 followers and they were mad because someone snubbed them and they said a thing and i think calypso puppy picked it up retweeted it, boom, now we're all talking about it. Now it's a big thing. Nobody had that opinion, but we're all arguing against it because it's a bad opinion. <laughs> but we did it for two or three days. Like, gosh, you're going to have no conventions. Everyone over 30 runs conventions, right? That's, uh, but it's not a thing that happened. So I think... Yeah, fursuit makers, thirteen thousand dollars fursuits. The whole everyone makes thirteen thousand dollars fursuits. The whole market's gone. It hasn't. One I'm, more one fursuit. Hey, I'm happy that she made that money. Yeah, most people are. Everyone actually, most people are everyone's happier. Very few people are unhappy that she made those money. That the kind of money. The people that were weren't actually using the official tag for it. They yeah. were adding her. Yeah, and it's like when a convention does something unpopular, it's a lot of people angry about it who haven't gone to the con and aren't going to. They just have an opinion on something that they heard through a third party, and that, that's that's how emotions work. And so. They have to scream somewhere. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing that happens. I don't know. Uh, do you have reactions to Alt Furry and how to deal with them on your your personal accounts or? Uh, I have so little drama. Yeah, <laughs> mostly I have very little. Same. Yeah. Uh, don't talk about them in Playboy magazine. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, if I have the opportunity to talk to Playboy, I'll keep that in mind. Um, but I, I think like your general your general concept is right. Uh, because you see somebody say say a thing that you disagree with, and it may be just a, an objectively wrong 
point of view. Um, and like, you feel kind of obligated, like, oh, I'm, you know, a, a, a leader within the community or whatever. You may feel like that. You may feel like as a result of that, it's your responsibility to say something and just be like, no, I, I feel like really we need to rethink this. Uh, and sometimes you lean, people lean a little too hard into that. Like they don't really consider where the opinion is coming from. Uh, like you said, it's a person with five followers who is just venting. It's not like a, a real like prevalent, widely shared opinion that needs to be spoken out against. I don't think anyone's seriously proposing that everybody over 30 be just exiled from the fandom. <laughs> How would you do that? I know. <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna make a new fandom and it's gonna be called Old Furry. And it's age gated, so have fun with it. Yeah, old furry, you get booted out at sixty. With old old furry. Yes, super old. so yeah, I think I think it comes back to like recognizing how not valid, but like how impactful the opinion that's being presented really is and whether you really need to say anything about it. Uh, because I understand that there's this sort of feeling of, of obligation and it's just like knowing the time and place. Like, I don't get into a lot of heavy stuff on my Twitter by any means. Usually, if, if anything, it's just sort of like, uh, you know, just personal point of view stuff. Uh, every so often, something that affects the fandom is something that I'll, that I'll talk about, but it's I try to do it in a way that's not necessarily attacking a single person, but it's just more of a generalized opinion. So I'm not necessarily directly contributing to that person or making it feel like I'm dogpiling. But I guess that's about the best that I can do for the type of account that I have. And um, as far as me, anybody who's been following me for, uh, for a little bit of time, you know, I went through kind of a rough patch around November. Uh, one of the things you find out, um, and it hits you hard, you, you, you know you feel it's there, but there's times where you're vulnerable a little bit. And there's also, because of the following you have, sometimes you have a big red bullseye on your head, sometimes. You, you become a target for certain things. Um, people who follow me and know me know that I, I keep, I don't like tweeting about politics. I, but the, the misconception behind that is that I think politics are very important. They are. It's important to be a citizen, to go out, fight for what's right, fight for what you're going to do, you know, do that's very important. But for me, I chose from the very beginning to make my account a fun account for, I just want to be fun. That's all I want. At the end of the day, I just want to interact with furries. I'm not, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to start doing all this stuff like that. I want to talk about smelly wolves and you know, boxes and stuff. That's what I do, you know, that, that, that's what I have fun. And that's where, you know, that's where I kind of built, you know, my audience around that and stuff. And you find people coming out of the woodwork sometimes trying to use you to push agendas or trying to do things, you know, to try to push whatever viewpoint they have and stuff. And what I've learned to do, um, and it's hard sometimes because there are some things that I see online that get me very mad. They do. And it, it would... Everybody's human, you know, it'd be easy. I want to just call them out and start, you know, doing that. It'd take a little bit of a deep breath. I just, and like I said, it's just for me in there. I've had to learn, and it's made my life a lot less stressful. Um, and that's one of the things I said when I got into this fandom, and I think I've tweeted it out before. The minute this fandom doesn't become fun for me is the minute I leave. And that hasn't happened since I've joined in 1999. 
Um, and I've had to find ways to, you know, still keep it fresh and fun for me. And to me, ignoring it and not feeding into what they're doing has helped me tremendously because they go away. If you don't give them the Kindle to start doing that, that flame's gonna die out pretty quickly. And I had to learn that, um, and I did. Because it is, there's some things that people say that just, I, I get mad at, I'm human too, you know, despite the whole kangaroo thing. At the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being, you know, and, and things are gonna get me mad, and I do have, you know, um, you know, things that they know, it will push buttons and stuff, but at least for me, because I wanna keep this fandom fun for myself, I'm not gonna give them that jumping board on me to get that exposure that they want just because I replied to them or did that, you know? And Twitter's one of those things that's very interesting, unlike Facebook and everything. Things go viral quickly, very quickly. You can turn off your phone real quick, go get, you know, go heat up a Hot Pocket, come back and it's viral and you got messages on there and you got, it's a very surreal feeling um, on that. But that's the way I've been able to handle it, you know? And, and to me, at the end of the day, it becomes to having fun in this fandom. And, at the end of the day, I just want to interact with animal people. That's what I want. That's what I have fun doing. And that's that's what I love doing. And that's what keeps this fandom fresh to me. And it doesn't keep me from getting burnt out on it. And that's the reason why um, I don't hesitate to want to respond to all of you guys. I genuinely love that interaction. And I, that I chose to keep myself completely political, unpolitical on my account. And I think people like that. I've, I've had some people say, you know, they just tell me that I, I like not seeing that from your profile, you know, and stuff. And said some people do, and that's that's great. You know, that's what you built your following on. That's perfect. But I built it on funny animal memes and species stereotype. That's that's what Renegade Roo is. And that's my way of handling that, you know, and that's, that's helped me not uh, stress and, you know, have this be something that's uh, wearing me down, you know, by just Ignoring it, I'm not going to give them the time of day. I'm just going to keep tweeting what's making other people happy and what's making me happy. You know, and that, that's the way I've been able to handle it. I think that gets at a bigger question, though: of uh, is the fandom a place for authenticity, or is the fandom a place for escapism? Like, oh, I feel it's, like that's a big major tension. Right? Yeah, you do both. I think um, you have a place for both. Uh, you want to be authentic. You don't. You want to be authentic because if you're not authentic, you have to keep it up for four years. And then people are, that's what they're there for. And if you're not being you, then, oh my God, it's just, it's so hard to do. Um, some people are just purely escapism. I don't know if I want to live that way. It depends on what you want to do. It's, it's up to everyone, it's but for, everybody. for sure. I think we had a question over here and then we'll get the one in the back right here. But we not, had to not one over? Did we? No, I was no? just putting my hoodie on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> putting your hoodie on. Okay. Uh, which, yeah. I was going to say just why not ignore this whole all furry and all this other pretty furry stuff. You block them; they're just gonna—they're gonna use you as a, a trophy. You know, they're gonna say, "Oh, hey, this guy blocked me. Oh, hey, you know, this guy's a wimp." Yeah. yeah. You, just, you just you just ignore it, and it's just like you move on with your day. I've got a I mean, aside from that, it's just you're giving them ammunition. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's that's something I think about a lot. Because yeah. I, I I remember at first thinking like, if we just don't respond to this, it'll go away. But then I also saw it getting bigger because there's influences outside of us, and it's. It's things going on in society that are bigger than furry that hits furry, and yeah. it's getting emboldened and it's getting bigger. And I, have, I watched the fandom try to struggle with its own like sort of like big tent policy and big tent feel, and how do we deal with this? And watch that sort of turn almost a little bit too hard on witch hunting the hell out of everything. But in between there, I think we sort of found or slowly finding a happy medium 
where we have some very good artistic, uh, strong voices that paint the culture against that sort of stance that I think most of us believe in. Uh, and I, I'm really glad to see it. So I don't want to say like all furry sort of thing. And by the way, all furry in furry, it's it's in My Little Pony and it's in every single fandom. And I think furry, from what I understand, talking to leaders and other communities, furry's handling it, goodness, furry's handling it uh, better than other fandoms are. We're, we're a little quicker to respond to this. And it's probably because we're a pretty liberal, young younger fandom. Um, but it's uh, it's not unimportant to respond to, and I think there's very effective voices out there, and I'm pretty happy that it's been responding because it has been effective, and I've seen it. I think what I worry about is if there's no response and there's no response at all, there's people who in the fandom, and we don't know this at conventions because our average age of conventions are 24, but the average age of furry is much younger. They can't go to cons. They watch YouTube. Um, they're on Twitter. They don't talk a lot because they don't know what to say. They're just listening. Everyone's listening all the time trying to figure out what to think and what to feel. And if what they're getting fed all the time is no one's responding to this, this is a valid viewpoint sort of thing. If they at least get to see the fire back and forth, they get to kind of think, kick it all in and think about it. So we're, we're also telling the next generation of furries what, what they want to think about and what they want to feel based on that information. So it, it's important that people respond, I think. Yeah, I think especially if you see somebody that you admire, uh, even if it's if it's infrequent, if you see them say something that kind of admonishes that whole movement, uh, it's a reminder that it's definitely not like the only way to think or the correct way to think. Yeah, and you'll see crazy on both sides of that for sure. You're always going to. Yeah. But but I, th I think in the middle of that, you're seeing just a lot more sensibility than there was before. And I, I, I agree with you in the extent that if it's a couple people, then you ignore it and it goes away. That much I agree with for sure. When it's, when it's groups and that group's organizing and that group's getting effective at what they do, I think you have to respond at some point. I think that's kind of what's happened. Let, let me let a little refine, refine and then we'll get... Yeah, just real quick. But I mean, yeah. You get like a hundred of these, say, Nazi first, like what are they going to do? I mean, I remember being at Anthrocon like 2010, there was a guy decked out in Right. So there, there's two things that I've seen that actually has a material effect, uh, and one is where it gets so effective at the at the trolling that they can actually affect a convention to the term of about twenty thousand dollars in security fees. Um, that I think can be handled by proactively talking to your hotel and keeping like perspective, but it's definitely required some action that if you don't do, will cost you money. Um, and that's, that's just the effect of them being more organized than usual, although not usually organized, but sometimes they can pull it off. Uh, the second thing I've seen is uh, an ability to analyze the policies that conventions have and troll in such a way that executives are spending 20 hours trying to figure out what to do with it. They hit that gray area perfectly. Uh, and when they do so, if you're not quick to just say this is trolling, we have to do an action against it, um, you will spend time fielding hundreds of complaints and it starts growing and it starts growing and it gets bigger. So I saw that happen with, uh, I know BLFC spent considerable boundaries for human resources trying to figure out how to handle a small group of people who pissed off a smaller group of people, but all elevated that to a bigger level. So it's, they do have material effects that, that actually happen in terms of man hours and sometimes real money um, and that's part of the organization of it. Uh, it's not as strong as it thinks it is because you'd see it so consistently. We don't see it very consistently, but there are there are real effects. Uh, though you're right, one of them is not invading Poland. That's good. <laughs> that's true. Uh, let me get uh, here and then in the here. Yeah. Um, then in the back. Would you say 
Uh, and at the same moment with alt left. That's always an interesting one. Um, I think right now we've never thought about it because we've never had that problem. I think if we started having that problem, we'd see it, but we just haven't had it. And until we start getting equivalent issues with like man hours and time on the left, we just don't. I mean, as, as, as furry conventions, we stay so apolitical because we're throwing a party. We're just trying to have everyone enjoy themselves. If everyone shows up and enjoys themselves and we just don't care, then everything runs fine and we just don't care. We only care when it comes to the point where it's becoming such a complaint area that people's vacations are being destroyed and people like are having bad experiences. And the last thing we want to do is be in the business of making garbage experiences for people. Um, so there is that. Uh, we try to stay political. It's harder as things happen and we start dealing with more of all the politics. And this is a discussion I will tell you that every convention is having at executive levels between each other, to each other, just like the whole community is talking about this stuff. Everyone's talking about this stuff and these are evolving views. So uh, yes and no. Actually, I don't know if in convention line we think all right, all left. I think in convention line we're thinking like, what is the effect to our attendees? Is this good or bad? Because we're not effective political organizations. We're just not, we just throw parties. Uh, so, yeah. but, but at the same time, we're also like the social nexus. So we're part of the, we're part of the business. Um, question here. Yes. That one's for sure. I, I used to go by Ed the Hyena. That was my name because I was 14 and the Lion King came out. <laughs> yeah, as Ed calling. So I was, and I thought Ed the Hyena was a great name. Now there's another Ed the Hyena who just kept the name from when he was 14, right? So we, uh, I became PATH because it was a hiding name on IRC because so many people had messaged me that I wanted to talk to just a few people, and you get a little overwhelmed. So I think the answer to your question depends on. Do you want to interact with a lot of people or do you want to hide? A lot of artists are very shy people. They don't want to talk to every customer, every fan. They can't handle it that much. So they, if you look up an artist on Telegram, you're not going to find them. They're under funny names. They're usually under funny names. Um, Ren, do you want to stop this? Are there times you just want to like bury yourself in the sand and hide? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, um, mine's a little bit interesting. Um, I, I found... Um, you know, I found an outlet through this fandom just because I, I, I do love interaction, but there are times though, you know, I'm, I'm also a teacher and especially if I have times where I'm bogged down in grading and 
um, where you do, I feel like you, you can't disconnect sometimes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there is times where, you know, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, I need to take a breather and there's nothing wrong with it. I had to find out, you know, as time went on that there's nothing wrong with stepping back and taking a breath real quick and saying, okay, let's take a little breather, you know, let's refresh, let's go back at a, you know, a good perspective on things again and let's go back at it. But um, I think it goes on individuality as well. I think certain people handle it differently. Um, so like I said, we're in this fandom for a lot of different reasons. There's no clear cut reason or way that we found our way to this fandom. And that's a really awesome thing. And with that comes the level of how much we want to interact. And truth be told, no matter how I, you know, I portray myself online and stuff, um, you know, when I grew up and stuff, growing up in high school and stuff, I wasn't the cool kid. You know, I was I, I was totally into counterculture punk. You know, I was all you know with the rockers, and um, I really was. I, I never was you know one of the, the popular people, and you know one of the you know it just doesn't click with me sometimes. So when you found when I found myself kind of in this, you know, I'm really naturally I'm not the most loudest person, despite you know the radio and all that stuff. I'm not. When I'm in my own person, and you know, when I'm driving home from work, I go to the grocery store and stuff. I just, you know, I like to do my thing, stay under the radar, go home, you know, do what I need to do. Um, so again, it's just, I guess we find our ways of, fi of individually finding how that works. But um, I think it's at the end of the day, do what makes you happy. You have to find what makes you happy, and there's no clear-cut way to do that. I think it falls on what you want to do, and finding that's hard sometimes. It is, but. Um, when you find it, it feels so good. It really does, and you find that medium. Hi. Hi. Do you want to have? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with what both of you guys have said. Uh, I, I think there's, it kind of goes in waves, right? You have times where you, you're inspired to do things and you want to you wanna interact with people, and then there are times when you just want to shut it off and go play Persona 5 for two weeks straight. Uh, <laughs> And I'm just getting out of one of those phases and, and getting back into making stuff. But I think similarly, there are, when you're trying to create things, uh, you need to be able to remember that not everything you make has to be for public consumption. Uh, because I think that puts a lot of extra pressure on. So, so it's kind of in a similar vein, but instead of like unplugging and, and kind of going invisible for a while, you're still making stuff, but you're not necessarily making stuff with the goal of I need to make this and it needs to be completely finished and then I'm going to put it on Twitter and I'm going to share it with everybody. It's like sometimes you just need to like mess around and not have to worry about what the result's going to be. Uh, and I think the sooner you realize that, if you are a creator, the, the better your mental health is going to be. Yeah. Um, if you're not just opening up your iPad and drawing with the intent that whatever is produced is finished and funny and great then you'll be a lot better off and then you'll be pleasantly surprised when it ends up finished and funny and great i think the weirdest thing about popularity to to me is is this point you reach and you'll actually always experience this as a furry i realize that now because uh if you have a friend you've been talking to for five years and they know you as a character as an animal person <laughs> When you go to say hi to them because you recognize them, they will look at you like you're a freak of nature until they realize who you are. <laughs> and then they're super nice to you. So I experience this a lot. Um, and even with people I don't know necessarily, they know who I am. That's a weird thing. So I'll be sitting in someone's hotel room because I know someone else in the room. And someone like comes out of the bathroom or whatever and they look at me and I'm like a 6'2", like large Mexican guy. And they're instantly like, what are you doing here with their stare? 
and they're not happy and they're not comfortable because just you know life happens uh and, and then they learn my name and then they're super nice and they've been wanting to meet me for three years and it's such, <laughs> it is, it's so weird to go between like i want to call the police on you and give me a big hug <laughs> and that's why this panel's named the way it is um but, but yeah it's it is it's weird you know what, I, I found that out a little bit too coming here, because a lot of you guys don't know how I look like. I think this is the first time you guys ever see the person behind Renegade Kangaroo. So I was going around the hotel, you know, I was you know, just around and stuff. Nobody, you know, knew who I was, but the minute I put that fursuit head on and stuff, people <laughs> saw, oh, it's Renegade, you know, it's this and that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's funny how, yeah, how once you put that character, you know, together with that person behind it, then people make that connection. And it's a really interesting thing, but I think it's a really fun thing. That's my first con, guys. I, I, I've, never, I've been the fan since 1999. I've never been here. You're so new. I'm a noob. Yeah, I'm a con noob. Uh, but it's a really cool, cool thing I experienced here. Um, and I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat so people can see the people behind the character to give that character a little bit more personality now that you know who it is you know, behind it, too. So really fun thing I've seen. Is there anything scheduled after this? And, and singer, do you know? Let me I don't know if we need to get out of here. Let me check. Set up, set up for the uh, foreign anime films. Okay, so do we have like an extra half hour? Because I don't know if people still have questions. Um, if the hotel comes in here and tries to set up, you're done. Yeah, if the hotel kicks us out, we'll keep, we'll kick yeah. it, but we'll keep going for people who are still interested in questions. Um, does anyone else have other? Yeah, we had one. For me, like I, I didn't know a lot of oh, Sonny Nico actually. That he inspired me to run this panel because I saw his panel at uh, for immigration. He's so cute. Um, I when I started doing hi 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 Sonny hi Sonny hey suddenly it's a better day. It's a bright sunny day. It's a bright sunny day. It's named after Sunny Delight. Uh, <laughs> So tell us if we need to get out of here, Jaron. We're just running over. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just here to laugh at you. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> so when I started, when I started doing Twitter, it was uh, partially because I wanted to have like some input for the convention, but I didn't know a whole lot of people on there, uh, and I just wanted to say stupid things. And I, that's really all I've ever wanted to do was just kind of say stupid things and be myself. So for me, I've, I've never had a separation of what my Twitter account is and who I am. It's just kind of an extension of what I think all day. Like it's it's ditzy and it's stupid and it makes a lot of mistakes and that's me. <laughs> that's, that's not a lie. 
Um, so it's I've never had that disconnect, and I never wanted to because I can't imagine doing this account and liking it and the interactions and oh god the networking you can do sometimes when you know a lot of people on Twitter that's the whole point of Twitter is networking and and I know we keep hitting Twitter because we're all Twitter people but I found that it generally extends to every social media platform has roughly the same mechanics um, and Twitter is just the one that we tend to use uh, but it's I I always did it in the way that I felt comfortable doing it as me and I never tried to do it otherwise and if I did I'd be so sick of it by now because I can't imagine trying to pretend that long um, yeah. I think I would feel differently a couple of years ago before Telegram became a thing. Uh, but I think now that the combination of Twitter and Telegram is so amazing because you can interact with somebody like briefly on Twitter and you can, like we said before, you can go back and scope out their account and figure out whether they go crazy every couple of weeks or whether they're a person <laughs> that's sane enough to, to maintain a conversation with. Uh, but you can you can get a sense of who they are and be like oh I want to talk to this person more and then Telegram comes along as this sort of like safe way to share information because it's like it's weird when you give out your phone number for like text messaging like I never liked doing that text. but somehow like Telegram made it all okay <laughs> and then, <laughs> Telegram's out of text no I know that's what I mean like you you just share your screen name and then now you're you're talking with this person and it's this this way that doesn't feel quite as like it's not as much of a commitment in a way but it's cool because it it allows you to get to know that person and in a way that's way better than like twitter dms too um so no i don't i don't really feel like i i don't really worry about people not getting to know me because if they want to get to know me we probably are already talking on telegram and if they don't that's fine i've got too many people to talk to already and I feel like I'm constantly neglecting everybody so <laughs> uh, but the other part of that is uh, my journey on Twitter has been interesting because you start I think most people start out on Twitter and they're like okay I'm gonna share this amount of stuff about myself and then gradually you kind of see what other people are sharing and you see that they're into things that you're into but you haven't like necessarily come to terms with being into yet <laughs> and and then you start to gradually like go through more and more doors and descend further down the rabbit hole. I mean, you did it. We're on theme now. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, but you get to that point, and then I, I think you're you're generally probably constantly approaching a part of being more and more honest with who you are the longer you're on Twitter if you're using it the way that I am, uh, and. That's nice because you don't have to be quite so guarded and it means other people don't have to feel quite so guarded and you all feel a little <coughs> more connected as people. So so my answer is no, it's not really an issue for me. And I'm mine too. Um, like I said, I, I, I love to have fun, you know, um, say jokes and everything too, but for the most part, like I, I said earlier, your persona is an extension of you. It is you. It, it very much is a mirror of you in a different way. So, Renegade Kangaroo is me, you know, um, and I think that's where I keep that connect there, and that's why, you know, I, I, I know somebody said they mentioned they're on the Discord, and uh, I have fun interacting with more personal level on that, too, because um, even now, in the, in the fandom, minus, you know, the fur and the tail and the big knife toes and all that stuff, <laughs> but I am the same Renegade Roo I am online. I love talking to you guys. I'm, you know, despite all the mistakes I make when I tweet and stuff with spelling errors that people point out and all that. I'm just like you said with Path, you know, I'm, you know, 
the same way I am online, I am, you know, um, here as well. And I think that's where I keep that connect is I have to keep inside that my persona is me. Um, and, and it feels so good when you just regain that image there and just say, you know what, it, with all the flaws and everything that go into it as well, that is, you know, me. And it's, it's, it's a really liberating feeling. It really is. A couple more perspectives on that that I know from other people who have had this sort of issue uh, that you're talking about. One is um, an individual I know, he's got uh, 2,000 Twitter followers, and he just kind of gets that because he's on Twitter all the time. And like, if you want to know one route to possible popularity, it's pr produce all the time. Like, if you're available all the time, you have friends uh, because you're always there, you're always writing, and someone will respond to that. Um, so this person is so transparent about their life and so uh, so many pieces are interesting that People are following them for entirely different reasons. They're all confused because you are following from one of four reasons and some of them are hard uh, And this so this is somebody who's very open sexually and will get very deep in their fetish uh, And then they're also talking about mental health a whole lot and then they're really silly people and they're funny And then they just talk about really interesting things. They do these four things so everyone's following them for like maybe one and a half of these reasons and they're petrified of the other like two of them. <laughs> so they get this weird, weird response of like their audience, like when they light up a certain part of that, they're excited about that part and the other two thirds are like, please stop. <laughs> and it just rotates around and it's the weirdest thing. And he's trying to be him and uh, he's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm a bad person when people don't respond very well. And I'm like, you can't take it as a personal validation because that's like me going on the subway and saying here's what I'm super into buddy stranger and, and them not liking me for that that doesn't mean I'm a bad person it just means I'm talking the wrong thing about the wrong person right this is weird don't, don't do that um, so that's that's one weird thing and then I'm going to use Sonny here as an example if you Sonny if you look at Sonny Dingo's Twitter account he is a happy bright shiny happy person yeah. all the time and if you DM Sonny Dingo you'll talk to Sonny Dingo the character this character, he's so happy. Yeah. He just is. He ain't breaking character. You're not going to get to the person, right? You're talking the character. And it's a full-fledged, nicely fleshed-out character. And it's fun to talk to him sometimes. I actually sometimes like the idea that I'm talking to not a person, but a character. It's an aspect of a person. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I want to talk to like the person, person, too. So it's and there's so many different facets of what you can get to. And Sonny, how many followers do you have on Twitter when you're, when you're speaking? Um, I've, I've just hit 21,000. What? Uh, what? <laughs> I'm not in the zero level yet. No. Oh, are you kidding me? No, that is Majira level. That's Twitter. No, he's like thirty some. Oh, is he? On, oh, yeah. Because yeah. so yeah, if you want super popularity, you have to produce YouTube videos and you have to be really good at it. That's where that's where it super is because yeah, lots, lots of cringy jokes. Well, yeah, that's definitely definitely true, and and that's gonna be because. Because you get to, there we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> he's actually run the panel before, so that makes sense. Uh, and, and you get there because uh, when uh, the biggest uh, consumer of furry is probably people who are not old enough to go to cons. Yeah. Like they so want access to this fandom. They're so hungry for access to fursuits and fandom and furry and, and this fantasy and then like the idea of it in this community and they have the least amount of access, so they just love YouTube. It's so good at communicating that. So that's that's where you pick up so much uh, feedback. And for that, there's so much influence there that people there have. And I and that's the scary thing with popularity is you don't earn it by like having meritocracy. You earn it by being funny. And then people like you, or they like what you do, and then they end up liking you by transference. 
And now when you say something, you've affected how a lot of people think, and they're probably 14 or 15, and that's what they're taking forward in their life. Uh, and you have to think about that. I, I've had people tell me things I said four years ago, and this changed my life when you said this, and that scares me a lot because I don't remember saying it at all. <laughs> or, right? And it's a terrifying thing that happens, and you have to remember that's, that's a serious thing, and it's true for everybody who's got a big reach, or if you don't. If you said the right thing at the right time, the right person. So we always tell teachers, you can change lives by being that person who cared. And that's true. If you ever had a teacher who cared about you, they changed your life. And that's a teacher super popular with about 120 people a year. Right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's so weird. It's just so love them or hate them. <laughs> yeah. Love them or hate them. Teach your life, right? Mm. But that's the one thing, too, life. that um, like one of the main points I want to drive, one thing I really admire about Sonny, and I think people see that when they talk to Sonny, is that it's genuine. It's genuine at the end of the day, and you feel it. So in turn, you are talking to that character because it is coming from a place of being himself, you know, and yourself. And um, you can read it pretty easily. You can you can read it. I think, like like uh, Pat said, putting on that mask can only carry you so far because you're going to burn out. You you are literally going to burn out really quickly. There's no way you can keep doing that. And um, that, that's a that's that's a big you know thing that I've learned is just be genuine with yourself and be genuine with who you talk to you know let your personality shine through whatever it is you know people pick up on it pretty easily. <laughs> I know I tweet a lot of uh, uh, inspirational quotes and things and observations <laughs> and such and, and where it's coming from is a place a, a genuine place within within me. I don't want to seem like I'm a cat poster on the wall hanging there for almost Friday. It's stuff that I'm, I'm facing personally, things that I'm dealing with, and the, where, where Sonny comes from is, you know, big secret, I'm a person underneath here, and Sonny is the voice from within that uh, is counter, you know, feelings of self-doubt and, uh, you know, depression and mental health issues and, and such things, which, uh, you know, what a lot of us have to deal with, and this is how I kind of, kind of cope with it, and I find that voice of positivity within, and I share it, I, I post it for myself, and whoever else gets to see it gets to uh, really feel it, it just comes from deep within. I love that it sounds like he's talking from underwater. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, uh, you have to eat the microphone, right? Literally eat it, and that's what that's what makes it work. I love watching this too. And so there you go. Wow, you're creating a lot of a lot of ideas right now. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he. I just twenty one thousand. People on Twitter. That's that's so, a, that's that's so many. There's a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised and uh, and humbled by that. Uh, reach that many people, and uh, that they find my bits of wisdom and observations, just silly photos, being uh, you know some inspirational. You know, some people come up to me and said, "I'm really glad you said what you did, and it really touched me." And uh, I've thought about this sort of thing. That, 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 I know I'd, I'd like to say don't validate yourself by. Uh, by, by measure of others, but uh, that really does help. It does bring me a lot of joy that I'm, I'm helping people twice. Yeah, for that much production, you have to. Yeah. Any questions for folks or ideas or direction? Otherwise, I'll just keep talking. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. I just keep talking. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, you're talking about like path is. You know, the Twitter accounts basically just you, but do you find yourself self censoring yourself a little bit more now in the past, say, like year, two years, uh, out of fear of backlash, especially uh, connected to the convention? 
Uh, this is coming a little, let's just say this is coming a little bit from personal experience. So That's really complicated. Okay, so <laughs> I, I didn't start Twitter for a very long time. And I, I started, I didn't start Twitter because my first experience with social media was Facebook. And on Facebook, I really hated how it really wanted your family to know your coworkers to know furries. <laughs> like it just wants to shove them all together in a box that they don't belong in at all. They shouldn't be anywhere near each other. And they don't like when you divide that out. So I dropped Facebook immediately. Um, so out the gate, I was always thinking about what I could do and could not do within specific boundaries. And I was also, I'm just kind of a personal private person to some extent. Uh, so I was already not wanting to say like a lot of things that happened in my life, like in general. And then I ended up doing it slowly over time anyway, but uh, no, I, I don't think I ended up getting more that way uh, because I started out way more paranoid than I am now. It's actually eased off a little bit, I think, for me. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was the early on. Like I was so concerned about what I'm putting on social media and who's reading it, specifically in the audience of two or three people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I know people who, who have to kind of actively censor themselves because of, of organizations they may be involved with. And I, I'm glad that they like realize that, uh, cause I think it's important to, to be aware of what you're saying before you say it. Um, but I also think, I also think sometimes it, if you f find yourself having to censor yourself from saying a certain opinion, cause you're worried of, about how it will reflect on something you're affiliated with it also might be a good idea to re-examine that opinion uh, because if it's really that inflammatory, maybe there's there's something up with it if you know that it's gonna cause that kind of drama. Um, I'm not saying that necessarily means it's wrong. I just think it's, it's good practice anyway. Uh, I make a point um, when I'm saying things to try to be super clear about what I'm saying the first time. So I will like sit and write a tweet and then rewrite it four times until it's worded a way that I think leaves little room for misinterpretation. Uh, but also if I put something out there that's serious, that like is a, a, a hard opinion that I have, I'm also prepared to have a conversation about it, whether that conversation happens on Twitter or whether it happens offline somewhere. Because I put it out there because I want people to see it and I want them to have a reaction and, and if it's a reaction of agreement that's great but if it's a reaction of, of that uh, initiates discourse that's great too as long as we're both honest about having a real discussion and um, you know that's what it is having that real discussion on there too um, what I my the whole way I built my profile is um, I, I want to be accessible to everybody I do not do things, I mean, my thing is, my, my sense of humor doesn't go around insulting people or, besides species, you know, just <laughs> poking fun at wolves and, yeah, but it doesn't, disagree. to me it's harmless fun, you know, it's fun that, you know, we can all just laugh about it, I mean, I, I should make a little bit more kangaroo jokes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but um, it's harmless fun, I want to be accessible to everybody from every walks of life if I can, um, I want people just to laugh, that, that's the whole reason I got into this thing. And um, like I said, I don't filter because I'm afraid of anything. I just do it because I, I just want to keep that personality I had going on there. I want people just to laugh. That, that's all I'm here for. You know, I'm not here for anything else other than to say a couple of dad jokes and, you know, interact <laughs> with you guys. And um, that, that's the way I, you know, do my profile as well. I mean, that, that's the reason why I got into it. That's what I have fun doing in this fandom. And um, 
that's what keeps me going there. When people are happy, I'm happy. Nothing makes my day more than when people say, wow, that, oh, you know, that, that was a cool thing, or hey, I like what you put, or something like that, you know, because the whole reason I'm doing it is just so I can interact with you guys. When you guys talk back to me and interact with me, that, that's why I do it. That's what I have a lot of fun doing in. And that's why I try to keep it accessible to everybody. Um, you know, I know it's not possible all the time to do that, but um, I'm, the, only, the way I word things and stuff like that is just to have fun, simple, straight to the point, haha, you know, move on to another tweet from somebody else, you know, kind of thing. But that's how I do it. And that's the way, you know, I'm not filtering myself for doing anything. That's just the way I have fun. And um, it's what I enjoy doing. Um, and uh, people enjoy it, you know, as well. I'm very happy to hear that. Some people, it's, it's not some people's cup of tea, which I totally understand. But that's the way I, you know, um, word things and stuff too. I just want to make sure that it's worded in a way that people can laugh. And no matter what, where they're from in the world, what walks of life they come from, what their occupation is, so on and so forth. I just want them to smile sometimes because we need that throughout the day, and it's very important. <laughs> and Sunny, because you're very serious about everything you do, then it's true. such a serious <laughs> account, right? <laughs> well, I try to balance it out between being, you know, thoughtful and being, uh, you know, just plain old funny, just interacting with people, people make jokes, and do funny little slapstick things, and uh, I try to participate in, in things when I can. And, uh, but I, I do, in the day, kind of, uh, you know, I might censor myself or just think really hard how I'm wording things, replies and tweets and, and such to, to maintain this pos positive attitude, positive uh, image. And perhaps I am thinking perhaps a bit too much on what others think about me, about, about Sunny and what I'm, I'm doing here. But it's, obviously it's a sense of, uh, it's a self-expression and it has to ring true with, with myself inside. So uh, sort of balance it out between true to myself and being uh, what people see me as to maintain that. Yeah. I, I want to also add, like, while I'm myself, I am not a raw data feed, and I will never try to be a raw data feed. I have very emotional reactions to a lot of things. And I don't ever want to tweet that emotional reaction ever. Uh, and it's the same reason. Okay, so if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody, you realize that after you're living with each other for about a year or so, like if you are telling everyone every time you're angry about something, every time they hear about it two weeks later, and it affects them, and they're thinking about how do I make that work or how to make that fix, even though it didn't affect anything that much. It wasn't that serious a thing. Um, so you bring up the big things. You don't always leave out the raw data feeds. And on Twitter, if you're doing raw data all the time, everyone misinterprets like who you are versus who you are in a moment. That's very different mm -hmm. thing. So you kind of want to, you're trying to present who you are. You can't just tweet every five seconds about how you feel. You'll look like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever quietly sit and thinking about all your thoughts and listen to your thoughts, we're all so super crazy. It's like, I'm super mad about this. I want to eat a strawberry. I hate that fifth grade happened. <laughs> None of that makes sense, but that's what your brain is constantly doing, and it's stupid. And if you tweet that, it's documented how stupid you are, <laughs> right? Uh, any other questions or things? How do you feel about the Twitter character limit being increased, and how do you think that's Oh, I super hated it, and then I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I hated it until my first tweet that was longer than 120 characters. Oh, it's a long tweet since then. I know. Yeah. Ever since then, I use it so now much. You have to go one of 16. Now it's two of eight. Or uh, yeah. and I use Threads now, and I don't know how I feel about that. But that's I don't know. That's, I was using Threads good. before they were. You were thing. using Threads before they were real. <laughs> Rand, how do you feel? You don't use that many big ones. No. We, okay. Here, here's a funny thing. So, um, so I use Twitter a lot. 
and I'm a teacher. So one of my writing exercises that I would do with some of my students is I need you to when they would use the, the Twitter character limit. I need you to put your main idea within that limit. And you need to make sure you get that point across. And I would actually do that. We'd have a I'd go on Twitter on uh, you know on the overhead, and they would have to summarize what they read uh, on that in that character limit. And that's the beauty of Twitter. What it was is that you have to make it count when you tweet, because I've done, I'm guilty of it. You know, making long chain tweets, but they don't have the same impact as just boom. This is what's happening. I personally love the increase um, only because it allows me to shift post more. But <laughs> that's just me. Um, but. Um, but no, I think it also, it's in a weird way, it helps you write better in a weird way because you have to fit things in. So increasing it does kind of nullify it a little bit because now you got to read almost a little newspaper. That's not, that's a paragraph. But um, I like it just, like I said, because, <laughs> because I can post more. But um, I thought it was, I, I like it though. I've grown to love it. And I think you can actually make a little bit more of a profound statement should you need to do it because you have that room to do it. And if it's not broken up like it was. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hated it so much at first. So much. <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else up there? We actually have a social media panel we do separate of this. Me and Ren and um, uh, Ringer. <laughs> I was going to say Sunny at first, but not Sunny. Oh, I'm sorry. M -m -m matches. Web designer. <laughs> Excuse me, that's web designer. Web designer. He makes our website too. Like I, I recruit people for stuff some, constantly. Some oh, he did that. Yeah. Willow did the important part. Yeah. Yeah. Willow does. The, Willow does the background coding here, and he does the the website. We super appreciate that. Um, okay, so I think I see people checking their phones more, and I yeah. think this is about the amount of attention that the human lifespan has. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm creating to start tweeting right now. When is the social media panel? I can't believe we have not been. When is the social media panel? It is three o'clock tomorrow. Okay, in a room. Three o'clock tomorrow, in a room. We'll continue talking about a lot of these things, but more on the social media side. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate your insight. Thank you.